and welcome in to another episode of the Esports Network podcast in partnership with Reuters. As always, I'm your host, Mitch Reams, and today we're going to be talking about daily fantasy esports. To do that, I have Adam Wexler, the CEO of Prize Picks. Adam, how are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me, Mitch. Excited to talk with Adam. He founded Prize Picks in 2018 as an alternative to DraftKings and FanDuel. And over the past few months, the company has focused more on esports, with sports on a hiatus due to the pandemic. Before we jump into esports, though, why did you feel like there was an opportunity for another company in the daily fantasy space? And what does Prize Picks offer that other competitors don't? Sure. So I think it all goes back to uh, the fact that, you know, daily fantasy, uh, daily fantasy sports can, can mean a wide variety of things. But uh, for better or for worse, uh, it's become synonymous with one particular format. You know, when I jumped into this industry uh, upwards of six years ago now, uh, I, I was a season-long, you know, fantasy consumer myself. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I, 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 was, I liked the concept of daily fantasy of breaking up the season, but I was never attracted to the poker-like format that FanDuel and DraftKings really tried to, um, you know, introduce to the masses. Uh, so, you know, our previous product was actually uh, specifically meant for breaking up the season. It, it, what you had to do with our previous product, Side Prize, was place side bets against your friends in your fantasy leagues. Uh, and eventually uh, that led us to a single player fantasy format, which is ultimately why prize picks exist today. It's interesting. I'm the same camp as you, actually. I've played season long fantasy since early high school, middle school, I think at this point. And daily fantasy never totally appealed to me, but I have not really expanded beyond DraftKings and FanDuel. So I'd be interested in looking at a different format for daily fantasy because I do enjoy that week in, week out competition. Oh, I'm going to take this week off. Okay, I'll play this week. But DraftKings and FanDuel never quite did it for me, so I might have to check out Price Picks. Absolutely. Looking at the pandemic and how it just it, it destroyed the sports world in so many different ways. I won't say destroyed, but it just changed so many things for sports, and we're still dealing with the fallout, with the MLB trying to figure out, are we going to return, with the NBA hopefully uh, competing in this bubble situation in Orlando with NFL players testing positive. Sports world is still in quite a state of flux. And during that time, esports has taken over. And nobody, everybody listens to this podcast is well aware of all the different ways that uh, esports has taken over for sports during this time, including in esports betting and in fantasy. But from your perspective, what are the exact numbers of, okay, sports got shut down early March. How are we adjusting? What are we going to do? And then how do people who use prize books start adjusting the way they use the site with sports shut down and moving into esports a little bit? Well, we were, you know, we were fortunate that uh, we had already had uh, experience in esports. Um, you know, our first professional league partnership was actually with the Smite Pro League this past year, 2019. And um, through that experience, you know, um, a as a as a fantasy game against the house. We basically, uh, you know, we, we manage a lot, a lot of risk and, um, you know, it took us a number of months uh, to really, you know, figure out how to properly manage that risk and turn it into a, a model that could work as a, a as a business. Um, and, 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 you know, we, for that reason, we were you know fortunate when, you know, all of, all of the traditional sports got taken away from us that we could quickly turn to League of Legends, who, you know, themselves obviously uh, was able, were able to basically take advantage, uh, for lack of a better way to put it, but they were able to take advantage of this new environment that we were in 
uh, and turning all their competitions into virtual competitions. So we naturally gravitated towards uh, esports, and you know I think it's interesting to note that in, in the month of uh, in the month of let's see, it was uh, April, I believe. League of Legends was our number one market, our most popular market, and then in May, uh, CS:GO was our number one most popular market. So we've definitely been um, you know diving deep into esports in recent memory, um, and uh, look forward to making it a part a permanent fixture as a part of uh, Prize Picks. Absolutely. It's great to see more representation and go from the Smite Pro League to League of Legends to CSGO. There's been a lot of demand for different contests and competitions around this. I wrote an article in April, early April. I talked with Joe Asher, the CEO of William Hill, and he was very dismissive towards esports betting. We're just a few weeks into the pandemic. He wasn't focused on it. He's like, I don't know. I think betters care more about Korean baseball. And then he was quoted in a New York Times piece a few weeks ago and he's like the esports betting handle has been huge we've seen so much action and it was crazy to see that really visceral uh attitude shift that he had from early weeks in the pandemic okay uh, how big is this to demand that flew in as the as the months went on and he's like wow okay this is a huge opportunity is that something you saw as well where Maybe in the early, right after the pandemic, people were like not sure what they were going to focus on. Then as the months went on, more and more money started coming into esports. You know, I, I think it was a combination of a number of factors for us. You know, for, for one thing, you know, as the sports books, you know, started turning to these super niche sports offerings around the world, you know, uh, Russian table tennis, uh, you know, sumo wrestling. Th- these were things that we were never going to um, stick with in the future. Um, but on the on the other hand, you know, esports was always going to be a part of our future, and um, you know, we, we obviously, like I talked about, had already had experience in this domain, so it was just a natural move for us to pivot our focus into esports. And um, you know, obviously, uh, the, uh, another big benefit of uh, being a fantasy sports operator versus a sports betting operator is. In our world, we are lightly uh, regulated, whereas in sports betting, they are tightly regulated. So um, they have to go through a number of approvals uh, for each of these tournaments to get approved to, to be able to offer it. But we were able to turn around and start offering uh, you know, League of Legends, which had been on pause. We had offered it at one point in time back in 2019 when we were just testing the waters. Um, and it had been on pause until the pandemic hit, but it was obviously a natural thing for us to turn to it. Uh, turn our attention to it. And, and, and for a while, you know, it was just about the only show in town. It really was. April was just dominated by League of Legends. Some people watching Valorant too, but Riot Games just had a lock on that whole month, it felt like. When you look at sports competitions versus esports competitions, and now I don't want to wrap all esports competitions or even sports competitions for that matter under one umbrella, but are there some unique things that go into creating daily fantasy games specifically for esports? You know what I can uh, what I can tell you is, and we, and we had to learn it the hard way with with uh, our experience with the Smite Pro League is um, the way our game works. You know, it, it is modeled after player props and parlays, which is you know common, uh, you know, uh, in the sports betting world. And we've created a fantasy game um, with kind of that as like a model uh, at at our core. And uh, because of these player props and parlays, you have to very much be aware of the correlated uh, risk that's associated. So it took us a lot of iterating to figure out exactly how we could offer a format 
that would allow us to manage the risk uh, in a seamless fashion, uh, while also ensuring, like I referenced before, that we could have a real business model here. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I think we made some conclusions, you know, at the end of the Smite season last year where we said uh, this is the most correlated sport that sports league that we had ever put up. And, you know, with the KDA format, which obviously League of Legends uh, you know, mimics, we needed to make sure that we avoided a lot of that correlation uh, within the same game. So uh, we made certain rules such as you can only make one pick, uh, you know, per game. Uh, as well as just tweaks to the scoring system that that allowed us to, uh, you know, create a more fair uh, format, uh, you know, across the board. Definitely. And that fair format is one of the hardest things as sports has been developed over so long with how scoring works and how uh, fairness competitions and people expect certain stats. Is that something that is a little more fluent in esports as the you know metas change and suddenly how stats are compiled might change a little bit based on what champions are being chosen. Uh, when you look at creating fairness and making sure competitions are fair, is there more upkeep for esports games than there are for the sports counterparts? I don't know if I'd go go as far as to say there's more uh, upkeep. Um, I'd say that each and every sport you know comes along with their own risk profile. Uh, and, and, and unlike, you know, DFS salary cap, where they're just kind of offering a game and similar to poker, you know, they're just taking a, a rake. Uh, you know, we, you know, we like to, the way we like to frame it to our customers who, who we call our members is, you know, you're playing against the projections. Um, and, and, you know, with each sport, there's, it's a, it's a bit of a different game. Uh, but obviously, you know, our, our audience is fairly widespread. So, uh, you know, we, we want to make sure that, uh, we've got, you know, good lines for, for each um, for each market that we offer. And, you know, being, you know, being a pioneer in this category is, is, is not exactly easy all the time. So uh, we don't exactly have the reference points that other, you know, traditional sportsbook operators have had where they can kind of gut check their lines in other places. You know, oftentimes, you know, we're putting up our lines and, and we're we're moving them based off of where the public is, is, is taking their action. Right. Sports lines have that years and years and years of history to fall back on with coaching tendencies, with weather patterns, all those different things that go into creating a sports line. And esports has less variables in terms of some of those aspects, but it also doesn't have that history to allow you to build lines. It's interesting to look at that process a little bit. Can you take us through how you create a line? You said it flows based on where action is coming in. But as you put a line out, what steps go into into that to create something that you're comfortable putting out public facing? <laughs> now, now, I'm definitely not the right one to answer those particular questions. I can probably tell you a little bit more from a trading perspective. You know, I, I think um, I'll give you an example of one thing that, uh, you know, we kind of tr- changed our approach uh, over the last six months. Um, you know, when we originally got into this, our, our, our general approach had been we want to balance the action. Uh, but what we realized over time is that in doing so, uh, the biggest beneficiaries often uh, tended to be the biggest uh, sharp, sharp players who would just wait till the, the uh, most opportune moment to take advantage of the line movement as they saw fit. Uh, but once, w- once we picked up on, on that kind of going to the disadvantage and the detriment of our, uh, you know, of our more casual players who just wanted to have you know, action on the games that they were watching, um, then we were able to kind of, you know, 
produce that many more winners across our customer base. And ultimately, that's what we're in the business of doing. You know, we're trying to just add to your sports viewing experience and just give you a little extra opportunity to put some skin in the game. So um, hopefully that kind of, you know, answers your question to a degree. Definitely does. And I, I can't expect you to talk about every single step of creating your lines as that's, you know, that's how you make money and you need to make sure that, you know, if, if we talk about how you create your lines, that makes it more exploitable. So I appreciate that context. That certainly helps. As you talk about the value of sports betting and esports and daily fantasy games in creating viewership, esports right now sort of has a an issue with viewership caps, and the viewership is capped at the amount of people that are active in that one game and are playing that one game pretty consistently. That is time and time again the people who are watching esports competitions. Only a few esports manage to grab people who aren't actively playing the game. Do you feel like there's an opportunity for daily fantasy games and esports betting and these different uh, opportunities for competitions to increase viewership for people either into other esports that they aren't playing as consistently or just to make sure people are interested in the game time in, time out, give them skin in the game and have them keep turning on Twitch weekend after weekend? It's something that's definitely happened in the sports world and had a big impact on viewership, especially if you look at football for example, fantasy football, people watch it uh, every every competition that's on all day Sunday, Monday night football, Thursday night football, because they're playing fantasy. They probably wouldn't do that if they weren't playing fantasy. So you think there's an opportunity for esports there to increase their viewership by uh, the proliferation of these fantasy games and esports betting? Absolutely. And I think there's a number of ways I can answer your question. Um, you know, for starters, I, I'm... I'm very excited to see, to finally see League of Legends and, and CSGO go kind of head to head in the coming weeks um, and, and kind of see what that, you know, wallet share looks like. Uh, we're we're going to be, you know, deeply studying exactly kind of how the, a lot of those customers are obviously, you know, similar customers uh, or, or, or there's a lot of overlap between them. So I think that'll be a fascinating thing for us to uh, dive into here in the coming weeks. Um, but in general, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's our number one objective to, you know, make, make your, you know, your nightly viewing experience that much more exciting. Uh, and we think we've got the easiest, fastest, most fun format for you to do just that. Uh, the other thing I can say is that, you know, there's nobody else in the industry, uh, in the fantasy industry, that is, that allows you to mix uh, d- d- your different picks across different sports leagues. So you can have, you know, one uh, pick in League of Legends with another pick in CSGO with another pick in NBA 2K and then mix it up with some international soccer choosing, you know, the over of Lionel Messi. Uh, and that can be an entry on prize picks and you can't find anything like that anywhere else. That's quite interesting. I do think Unicorn offers something similar, but it's a different, that's pure betting parlays versus fantasy parlays. Uh, but there is some other companies who are in this world, but it sounds like prize picks is definitely doing things that are different than the other yeah, competitors. And, and if I may, um, you know, I, I'd offer the distinction. So, um, you know, in, in our case, uh, I, I would say that it's definitely uh, an industry exclusive, specifically like once again, like in fantasy, uh, but also in the jurisdictions that we operate in. So, you know, we are uh, available as it stands in 26 U.S. jurisdictions plus Canada. Uh, in the U.S. that covers over 70% of the U.S. population. So for real money fantasy contests, nobody can really 
come close to offering the kind of uh, multi-sport action that we can offer. For sure. Let's look at some of the esports competitions. As you mentioned, these different esports going head to head this month. And you talk about NBA 2K, CSGO, League of Legends. These are all incredibly different games. How does your process change for different esports? CSGO and League are about as different as two esports can get. I guess team sizes are the same. What are you doing for different esports to make sure competitions stay fair across the board? And how does the process change behind the scenes as you put lines forward? And once again, you know, we, we've got a, a very talented lines making team that, that you know, probably are, are a lot uh, smarter when it comes to this stuff th- than I am. So I don't want to overspeak. And maybe one of these days you can interview one of them directly to get uh, a more direct answer. Um, but, you know, what, what I find, you know, pretty interesting is just uh, from a more of a business perspective is, you know, the uh, how I how I try to draw some parallels between. Uh, the different sports to, to more traditional sports. You know, you've got League of Legends that has this format that is a little more uh, reflective of like college football, whereas, you know, um, CSGO may be a little more comparable to like an ATP tennis, uh, you know, um, uh, turn- not tournament, but, but season. Um, and, and for me, from a business perspective, to track those trends and figure out how it all works together, in a schedule that we can offer and, and try to build a comprehensive offering to, to really uh, try to appeal to as many of our customers as possible. That's the type of stuff that I'm tracking on more of a day-to-day basis. Absolutely. What trends are you seeing on that day-to-day basis, especially as you know, such an unprecedented time, it's, it's almost become a meme to say it's unprecedented, but it's true. You know, we've never dealt with any of these things like that. So how are trends evolving over this time and how do you see them continuing into the fall as COVID continues and sports remain uncertain. Yeah, you know, uh, I mentioned that, uh, you know, League of Legends and Counter-Strike each, you know, took took the throne for a month in recent memory. Um, as of right now, uh, the, our, our number one market for the month of June is actually auto racing and specifically NASCAR slash the truck series and, and, and Xfinity, uh, which is also interesting because uh, I think uh, one of the bigger reasons why we were able to kind of steer people in that direction is because we were able to turn a lot of people into iRacing fans for a bit, obviously while the, while the, uh, while the races were not taking place. So iRacing was actually a pretty popular format on our platform as well. Uh, but then naturally when, um, when the, when the uh, uh, real races, the, the actual uh, races came back, um, that's when a lot of our, you know, you could call them esports customers, you know, started to all of a sudden take interest in NASCAR. And I think you combine that, with um, obviously everything going on in NASCAR right now, which is a, which is not just a sports topic, but you know a, a national conversation, and I think uh, there's a there's a number of reasons why you know NASCAR has become a very interesting a, a market uh, this month, and, and and I think it can explain why it's getting kind of top billing for us uh, in the month of June. NASCAR is certainly having an interesting moment right now, and for people who. Uh, aren't aware of what's going on in the NASCAR world. They came back recently, and uh, as protests have continued across America, a noose was found in the one black driver's locker, Bubba Wallace. And uh, yesterday or two days ago in a race, NASCAR banded together. Uh, They all walked around Bubba Wallace's car, showed us a stand of solidarity, and they've been, you know, uh, clearly taking this matter very seriously. They also banned Confederate flags 
from all events. So that's happening in NASCAR as well as the growth of iRacing, creating this really massive phenomenon around motorsports in the U.S., one that I haven't seen in a long time. And it's cool to see NASCAR often stereotyped as a redneck hillbilly sport uh, standing up for for human rights and, and supporting these protests and, you know, taking down that horrible display that happened uh, to that one black driver. But it's great to see NASCAR standing up. And it's led to a, a massive phenomenon around around racing. Now, we aren't the people who should be talking about uh, Black Lives Matter, the protests. That's, there's way smarter people who are more knowledgeable about this. But we can talk a little bit about iRacing. And iRacing has had crazy, crazy growth. And I've talked to quite a few people. I talked to somebody from Virtual Le Mans, a uh, 24-hour race that broke some records for iRacing. I've talked with Manny Onical about how iRacing has put up massive numbers on broadcast TV, topping over a million viewers during this pandemic. Why do you think iRacing has been so successful, both capturing the hardcore racing fan and bringing them into watching a video game and also getting the esports fan who probably wasn't watching NASCAR? It seems like it's appealed to both demos where there wasn't much crossover in the past. Why do you think it's been so successful and how have you seen that reflected in the numbers on prize picks? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great question, and I think the answer is simply, you know, it's it's probably the easiest transition. You know, when you when you watch as a as a consumer, when you watch those i races, I mean, if you don't look too closely, it looks uh, a, a lot like the the, the real thing. Um, so I think that that's definitely had something to do with it. I also think that it's it's been amazing that you've gotten names such as Dale Earnhardt Jr., who essentially came out of retirement uh, to participate in these i racing competitions. Uh, in the middle of the pandemic. And, and then you got that, that intimate um, experience, you know, watching these guys essentially do it from their kitchen tables. Um, it, it was a, it was a cool experience. And, and for more of a mainstream, you know, traditional sports fan like myself, um, it, that's probably, that was a more accessible thing that I could gravitate towards than let's say, you know, League of Legends, which I don't think, uh, you know, a, uh, and a, a, a naive kind of esports fan can adopt extremely quickly. I think obviously CSGO is a little more, um, a little more uh, adaptable uh, or adoptable um, than, than something like League of Legends, although League of Legends probably has a bit of a more passionate following that's extremely loyal. Yeah, League of Legends is one of the most confusing esports I've ever tried to watch. I'm an esports reporter. I've played the game a decent amount. I have friends who play the game a ton, but watching those competitions is still... Uh, maybe I'm outing myself a little bit. I'm like, I think that was great, but I'm not entirely sure. I rely on the casters a lot, even when watching it. So I can only imagine what a casual channel surfer who flips over to ESPN and sees the LCS is thinking as they watch it. Looking at iRacing, I definitely agree. The fact that they're controlling cars has allowed for the graphics to improve a lot and also the physics between cars is much more easy to model than say the physics between two players like you have in an nba 2k a fifa a madden uh making bodies clash against each other is so much more hard so much more difficult to animate than it is having two cars do it but still it shows that iRacing has uh created this ability to transcend generations and bring in fans of the other sport and I know NBA 2K is a big offering on prize picks. 
Is there an opportunity for sports sims here to embrace more daily fantasy uh, and maybe gain a foothold more so in the esports world than they've been able to do in the past? I think the answer is absolutely. I mean, there, there's plenty of upside out there, and especially as you know, the um, the millennial generation and even you know Gen Z, you know, gets gets older. Uh, there's no doubt about it that that it's going to become that much more prominent. I think that the biggest thing that I can speak of from from the um, you know daily fantasy industry perspective is that um, we we need more formats like like prize picks because uh, as I mentioned earlier you know, daily fantasy, unfortunately, became synonymous in the past decade with one particular format. But the concept of daily fantasy uh, can mean a lot of different things. You know, there was a company that was purchased by uh, the same company who purchased FanDuel. They purchased a company before that called Draft that facilitated daily drafts, uh, which is arguably the most fun part of the season long format. And, um, you know, unfortunately, they sunset that product uh, in recent memory. So, uh, hopefully we see a renaissance in that category before we know it. And then in, in the category that we like to call single player fantasy, uh, you know, there, there, there's us and in, in probably one more company in, in particular that are really, you know, making a name for ourselves. And uh, we, we fully expect this to be the future of daily fantasy. And, and, and I'll make the bold prediction that over the next decade, um, single player fantasy and specifically with over under predictions is going to be the predominant daily fantasy format uh, of the 2020s. That's really interesting just for me from a general sports perspective. Why do you feel like that format works better than the DraftKings and the Fandles? Like I said at the top, those never really grabbed me. So I'm definitely open to other avenues to play daily fantasy. But the market share that DraftKings and Fandle do have is pretty absurd. So lay into that a little bit. Why do you think that this format works better and how can you start cutting into that market share and proving to people that, hey, this format's actually better than the one they're running. Yeah, we, we always say that we, we want this to be the most simple, fast, and fun you know, daily fantasy format that you're going to find. We want you in and out of the app in less than 60 seconds. So from our perspective with salary cap, you know, it, it's very cumbersome. You, know, you have to know everything about every player. You have to know everything about everybody you're playing against, what the ownership percentages are. Um, it takes a lot of research. It, it's not something that you can casually participate in. Whereas with with um, with prize picks, you can be just about as casual as you want to be. You can do as little or as much research as you want to be. It's definitely a skill game. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and you'll win a lot more money the more research you do. But we, like I said before, we, we want people that can literally, you know, if it if the game start at seven o'clock and you just for, forgot about putting in your picks and it's six fifty eight, you can still get them in just by pulling up uh, our your you know the mobile app on your phone and uh, you know it. With prize picks, all you're doing is picking two, three, or four over-unders, and uh, and then you get multiple payouts depending on the number that you get correct. So it's it's about as straightforward of a daily fantasy game as you're going to find. That format certainly helps people get more involved in esports or in other games they don't totally understand. If you look at uh, trying to, to fill out a roster of League of Legends players and you don't have a ton of knowledge about who they are, you're basically throwing darts at a chalkboard there and looking at the... Uh, the amount they cost and hoping your team does well. The over-unders is a little more uh, approachable to the casual fan. And esports approachability is something that it's going to be focusing on a lot over this next decade as they try and mainstream a lot more of the audience. So uh, from an esports perspective, that certainly makes a lot of sense as you can, as I could probably pick it up. I don't know the fourth person on FlyQuest's 
roster off the top of my head right now, but I can look at it and be like, yeah, I think they can over under this many kills. I think they can uh, hit whatever prop it is. So it feels like it's more accessible, which again, if we're looking at sports betting and daily fantasy games really going mainstream as they appear to be doing even more so than they already were, I guess they already were pretty mainstream. Uh, but with the repeal of PAPSA, we're seeing sports betting having this sort of resurgence. And that goes along with daily fantasy. I know they're different aspects. Uh, but that accessibility does feel like it's going to be really important in the genre going forward. No, no doubt. Uh, I mean, you used the word, um, you know, I, I think you said accessibility. And then, you know, I, I couldn't have said it any better. So Awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much for joining the show. Can you make one more plug for Prize Picks? I think we've talked a lot about why people should check it out. Uh, but where can they follow? What can they be on the lookout for in the future coming from the company? Sure. We're, we're Prize Picks across all social media. Please look it up in the app stores, both of them. Read the reviews, see, see exactly why people like it. It's not just the game format that they love, it's also the level of customer support. Uh, the types of different promotions that we do. We're, people often like to think that we're some of the most generous when it comes to promotions in the industry. Um, and then, you know, just uh, the other thing you get for signing up is a uh, you get a 25% deposit match plus a free entry to win 50 bucks. So it ain't a bad deal to get going. And I uh, hope everybody enjoys. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining the show, Adam. It was great talking to you. We'll be in touch hopefully uh, in the future about some of the other cool ways that esports betting and esports daily fantasy games are evolving. Sounds great. Thanks for having me, Mitch.